Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now, more, uh, Esther is a, let me give you a bit of a setting. She is a Jewish woman who was positioned by God, and she became queen of Persia to save the Jews from a murderous plot. And he's going to save them, the Jews, and protect them through the service of Esther and Mordecai. And the holiday Purim comes from this book that the Jews celebrate when God delivered the Jews from this murderous plot. The one thing we can learn from this book is that God positions people He positions even governments and even situations to fit his plan and his purpose. Yes, God actually is that big, (laughs) and I'm glad. So the first question, how did Esther end up becoming queen of Persia? Well, let's get into the text and let it talk to us today, okay? In Esther chapter 1 and verse 1, now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. That's a long party. That's, that's a big celebration. So this king, Ahasuerus, I'm telling you, I got that name down last night and already lost it because I slept. This king, Ahasuerus, is also known as Xerxes. He's also known as King Xerxes. His reign was from 485 to 465 BC. And this banquet was during the third year of his reign. And so this places us around 482 or so BC. And so this banquet was a big time to show off the king's wealth and his kingdom. And since the Bible gives us a time stamp, every time the Bible gives us a time stamp, because it talked about the year of his reign, we also get to go into history and let history give us some background. I don't venture outside of the Bible much, but we, we are permitted because of the time stamp in the Bible. And the king was planning at this time, he was planning to strike against Greece. He was going to invade Greece, somewhat taking revenge on his father's defeat from before. And so part of this banquet that he's throwing with all his officials that were coming in, part of the banquet would have been used for planning this invasion along with all of his officials since they were there. There would have been some of that, okay? So that plays a little bit into our story. That's why I wanted to name that little detail there. Esther 1 and 5. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast, lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan the citadel, from great to small. 
in the court of the Garden of the King's Palace. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars. And the couches were of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. And they served drinks and golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace which belonged to King Ahasuerus. And so this is quite an expensive party. And the colors of the blue, that was royalty. It was very expensive to get blue, to create blue dyes. It, only the rich could afford that. And there's a lot of symbolism in the, in the fact that uh, the way into the tabernacle was of a blue and, a, and purple because it meant royalty. That was the only way in. So this is royalty here in the color. And expensive party, the best wine that anybody could drink as much or as little as they wanted to. And this wasn't the higher up people. This was for other people. They could drink as much as they wanted. And it was normal in their culture for the women to hold their own banquet as well, which Vashti did. And so in Esther 1 and 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zithar, and Carcass, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vesti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vesti refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious and his anger burned within him. Okay. Now, I'm going to, th- th- this is one of the pieces that kind of scared me about this, is because a lot of people have their own opinions on why she didn't show up. <laughs> we don't know why she refused. We don't know. It is not in the text. You can't make up your own reasons to try to make the king into this villain guy, although he is kind of quirky at times. You don't know. But a lot of people speculate that the king wanted her to present herself wearing the crown only. <laughs> but the text just doesn't say that. A lot of people try to give her an excuse for not coming to the king. And so they try to make him into this villain to get her off the hook. And we're not going to do that here because it's just not in the text. I just don't see it. If you inject any bias into one verse, you will do it with every verse in the Bible. If you do it one time, you'll make a habit of it. and You'll, you'll never get what God's word's trying to tell you. And so we don't know why she did not come. The text does say that she was having a women's banquet. And so we can guess maybe she was just considering that she was too busy with that. But whatever the reason, her refusal to come to the king broke etiquette. That was a big deal. It broke the etiquette. And that disrespected the king in front of all his officials. Remember, he's planning an invasion. A lot of officials are there. They're looking at this king to make things happen. And you can't even command your own queen to show up. No wonder he got angry, okay? Now, we have enough biblical and historical evidence of that. So that was the setting there. Uh, Now, Esther 1 and 13. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice, those closest to him being Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Marcena, and Memekin, the seven princes of Persia and Media 
who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. What shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs? And Memucan answered before the king and the princess, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will become known to all women, so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes when they report. King Ahasuerus commanded King Vashti to be brought in before him, but she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus, there will be excessive contempt and wrath. Well, that was their viewpoint. You got this leadership doing it, everybody's going to do it. So they, they wanted to do something to Vashti. Now, one thing about this king is that he regularly consults with people who seem to quite, they seem to have a way of convincing him of what he should do. And we're going to see that through the book. What do I do? Well, here's what you ought to do. And they suggest all these things. And, you know, part of me as a man says, you're a king, dude. Make a decision. (laughs) You decide what to do. And always asking everybody what to do all the time. But this is something here that God is going to work in with his will. The fact that the king, he's planning invasions. He's doing all this. But he can't figure out what to do with Vashti. I've got to ask my guys what to do. And they tell him. So here, here they go. We've got to do something about her. So in Esther 1 and 19, If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that they will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king's decree, which he will make, is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great, all wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. Okay, so the advice is remove her. Remove Vashti out of there. Now, in ancient Persia, here's something about what we just read in the text. In ancient Persia, once a king made a decree, not even the king could change it. Once he made a decree, it became law. You cannot change it, not even him. That's why his advisor said in verse 19, they said, so that it will not be altered. So therefore, this is like Vashti's gone. There's no way she can come back. Because once it hits the law, bam, it's in stone. Now, you might remember a similar principle like this played out in the book of Daniel. King Darius, he signed a decree that he was basically God for 30 days. (laughs) And if anybody bowed down to anybody else but him, they'd be thrown in the lion's den. Well, the king's friend, Daniel, opened his windows towards Jerusalem and prayed to God. And that's how Daniel ended up in the lion's den because he prayed to God. And the king did not want Daniel thrown in with the lions, but he couldn't save him from the den because he made the decree already and he couldn't reverse it. So they threw him in the den. And it was unchangeable in that Persian law. God wanted to be seen as the one who saved Daniel, not any man. In that case of Daniel, God doesn't want man to take the credit for saving Daniel. So that that law came into effect that the king could not reverse that showed that only God could save Daniel in that den. So we have a similar situation story here in Esther. God is going to be shown as unlimited through man's limitations. And now even the king is going to be limited 
because he's going to throw a decree out there that can't be changed. And God goes, that's where I got this. <laughs> so that was important about that decree, that, so it will not be altered. Esther 1 and 21. And the reply pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Memekin. Then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, and to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house and speak in the language of his own people. Now, the reason it's all these different languages, because the Persian Empire at that time was huge, and it covered a lot of different countries of different, different speaking. Uh, people spoke different languages, and that's why the, the different languages was in there. Now, all of this was just created. All of this was set up. For a new queen. A new queen is what this is all about. And it's going to be the Lord's own chosen woman, Esther. Look at all this that's going on. I'm telling you guys, God is working his power. It's covering the entire empire. <laughs> and it's covering it quick. And I'll let you know, just of some comfort, God's power still covers the United States of America. You watch the news and you just sink. God's power covers the United States of America and the rest of the world. Don't worry about what's going on. God's got it, okay? Esther two, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti, what he, she had done, and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's servants who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the, the citadel, into the women's quarters under the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women. And let beauty preparations be given them. Then let the young woman who, ple who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king, and he did so. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea to him, doesn't it? <laughs> He's king. Let's do it. Okay, so now the king is thinking of Vashti all of a sudden. Why? Uh, he, he decreed it. She needs to be gone. Well, now he's thinking about her. What happened? Something happened in here that made him suddenly do this. Now, remember, he was planning to invade Greece, and that didn't go over very well. It didn't turn out. A little bit of time has passed here. Persia got beat. They got beat. The secret of Persian strength, now this is historical here, this is because the Bible gave us a time stamp, again, I'm telling you, I get to go here, because the Bible said in what year of his reign, third, so we, we compare it to history, here's what was happening to him. The secret of Persian strength was in great numbers, so they were pretty sure they'd beat Greece, but the Greeks emphasized the individual, and so one Greek could take out a lot of Persians. And so when Persia invaded, only a few men could get through this narrow pass where they fought, which allowed the Greeks to defeat Persia. And that's where you get that crazy movie titled 300. That's what that was about. Remember King Xerxes? I, I'm telling you, he did not look like that guy. He was not 10 feet tall. Okay. But anyway, uh, that was the, the Greek de forces defeating King Xerxes, which is King Ahasuerus. And so now the king here at this point in time, Obviously, he feels defeated. Everything hasn't worked. And adding to his misery is the absence of the queen. And since Persian law cannot be altered, not even he can put her back on the throne again. This guy is feeling whipped. And now he's starting to think about Vashti again. He's probably got a lot of regret. I shouldn't have gone after the Greeks like this. Why did I cut Vashti loose? He, he's, he's, you could say he's down on himself. 
with a lot of regret. And so the servant suggests this beauty pageant. Let's get his spirits back up again. Let's get things going. And this is where God is going to work out a vacancy for a new queen and to provide Esther with the way to fill it. Esther 2 and 5. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, I'll edit whichever one's right later, (laughs) king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Okay, here's why Mordecai and Esther live way out here in this part of Persia. Because Nebuchadnezzar, he had seized Jerusalem in 597 B.C., about 115 years prior to this. But now we get introduced to our main characters here. We have Mordecai and his good-looking cousin, Esther. Now, I love it how the Lord had already made her very beautiful. She's beautiful already. Because it's, it's, it's interesting, he, he was already made her to fit what was coming long before it was ever thought of, before this pageant was ever even, uh, let's have a pageant. Before that came up, he already had her set for that position. You know, God prepares us for things long before we know they're coming. Did you know that? (laughs) I can look back in my life and see things that God was doing with me that I had no clue why I was going through it, only to later find out that's why, so now I could be ready. The Lord God knows what's coming. He knows what he's doing too. Esther 2 and 8. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Now, you can see, not only is she beautiful, but Esther also has this way of gaining favor with people, and you can see the Lord's positioning at work and how she has been put in the best place. Guys, remember I told you to remember the word exalt? That means lift up. She's being exalted. She's being lifted up and positioned in place. I mean, look at her. The first day in, and the Lord's already taken her up the ladder. (laughs) I love it. And these beauty preparations are going to take a whole year to complete. This is quite a beauty contest. (laughs) I see eyebrows going up. A whole year. Verse 12 ahead of us tells us that. And so this is no quick ordeal here. This is going to be a long period of dedication. I want us to get a snapshot and hold that. This is going to be a long period of dedication, focus, all in. Okay? Devotion here that she's going to have to be fully adhered to. Esther 2 and 10. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day... 
Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Mordecai's concerned, obviously, for reasons. He knows that Esther is in there among people who are not Jewish, and she's preparing to join herself to a man who himself is not a Jew either. I would be pacing outside too. He's thinking of all the preparations they are putting her through. Are they trying to get her to eat foods that Jews are not supposed to eat? Because there were some dietary things in here that she probably had to go through. Is the king going to want to try to have sexual relations with her, not being married to her? you got to remember, this is Mordecai's little girl. Yeah, this is a parent here. I'm pacing outside. What's up with my girl? He raised her. And he doesn't know what's happening on, on, on the other side of that wall there. He's wondering, will something happen to her that will expose her as being of the Jews? Is, that, is something going to happen that's going to expose her? You realize a whole year, we're going to find out not one thing happened that gave her away. <laughs> All the strict stuff going on, and that word never gets out. And so, if it was discovered as her being Jewish, she would probably lose her shot at being elevated to being queen. And so, even though Mordecai is worrying a little bit, we can see that he had been given good great godly wisdom because he instructed Esther not to reveal her people or her family so that God could work his plan through her. Mordecai is a wise man. Esther 2 and 12. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes in preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go in to the king again, unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, look how we're being reminded of how special she is to him, (laughs) who had taken her as his daughter to go in to the king, she requested nothing. But what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. The women went to the king in the evening, but they didn't come back to the morning. Guys, think about this for a minute. They're all spending the night with him. And they were not returning back to the women's quarters. They went to another place. They went to where the concubines were. Now, a concubine is a lower-level, inferior, down-low-level kind of a wife. But they never saw the king again unless he asked. Most of them probably never saw the king ever again. You can see why Mordecai was pacing outside the quarters. I I can imagine he, he was probably praying. In this contest here, you have to win. You have to win. There's no second place. You either win the king's decision or you end up a concubine for the rest of your life. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.